So shamanic meaning, interconnectedness. And the shamanic realms give us access to different times in our lives to change things and be with things and heal things. I mean, we can't change history, but we can change our perspective and our reaction or response to it. So this is all part of the shamanic work, as well as looking at our rites of passage so far. You're listening to The Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's mental cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 243 of The Well Woman Podcast. If you have just tuned in, the last couple of episodes, we have kicked off a pregnancy series in alignment with my own pregnancy. And today is our first guest teacher. And today our guest teacher is my beautiful mentor and a woman who I highly look up to and have been very fortunate to apprentice with over the last two years in learning more about her approach to the menstrual cycle, and that's Jane Hardwick-Collings. And in this episode, we are talking about the shamanic dimensions of pregnancy and birth. This is a really great insight to my experience with Jane and the Four Seasons journey through the School of Shamanic Womancraft that that I personally moved through in 2022. And we are talking all about how you can have a shamanic approach to pregnancy how you can support entering the birth portal in a way and prepare for pregnancy in a shamanic way. We also talk on journeying and drums and we talk on the ability of how a body can naturally have an ecstatic birth and how that's possible and why that's possible for others, for some, sorry, and maybe not others. But this is a really beautiful, juicy episode. And I'm so fortunate that Jane has come on the show to share with us. She shares with us as a guest teacher inside our cyclical school courses. And it's wonderful that she's now here to share with you today. Jane, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you, Gemma. Thank you for inviting me. It is an absolute honor. It's been a few months in the making to get you here, and I'm so glad that we do have you here for such a special and unique topic that really is, I feel, the only one that you could talk about as opposed to anyone else in the world. So thank you. For everyone who's tuning into this and has never met you before, they're about to get their minds blown apart. (laughs) So can you share a little bit about who you are, how you're checking in and feeling today, how you got to this space in your life where you are the wisdom witch, I'll call you, of all things womb, pregnancy, menarche to menopause and beyond. Oh, wow. That feels nice. Thank you. (laughs) Well, a check-in first, I guess, So, in terms of a menstrual cycle check-in, so you understand where I'm at and what I'll be like. Of course, I no longer have a menstrual cycle, so that means I'm with the moon, and the moon today when we're recording is a first quarter moon. So the way I'm experiencing that is in alignment with that the energy of this phase of the lunar cycle, which is about budding and building energy. So that's how I'm feeling it. I'm feeling a building energy around certain things that I'm wanting to focus on, which is right on, right on for this first quarter moon. So that's good because I've got lots of things I want to do and focus on. So to introduce myself, I'm a 65 year old postmenopausal grandma. And I was a home birth midwife for 30 years. So that's my, that's, that's where I grew up, so to speak. You know, I've started midwifery when I was 25. I'm now 65. So 40 years ago, prior to that, I was a registered nurse. And this is way back before either of nursing or midwifery were in hospitals. I mean, in university and they were in hospitals. So as much more hands-on and part of the team, actually, you know, so, and when I did my midwifery training, I had an awakening that I didn't even know I needed to have. I awoke to the patriarchal culture, which I didn't really even know was such a thing. 
and how that happened for me during my midwifery training as a 25-year-old, which I did because I wanted to have a baby and I wanted to learn all about it. And it's interesting because when I was thinking about that, that's exactly what I did for menopause too. I, I mm. apprenticed to menopause to learn all about it. So I apprenticed to birth via my midwifery training to um, learn about it. But, you know, actually what happened is I became myself and I woke up to this patriarchal culture. And what I'm talking about there is that what I saw, and I've said this so many times, but I can't really say it enough, emphasize it enough, I saw institutionalized acts of abuse and violence being done on mothers and babies masquerading as safety. And that was in 1984, um, 1983-84, and really it's not much different. In fact, it's probably worse, to be fair. The statistics are worse, so mm -hmm. the practices would be worse. So I had this awakening and... I didn't want to be complicit with what was going on in the hospitals as part of the machine. So I I became a home birth midwife. I'd had to do a big apprenticeship and then I learned how to do that, which was a lot of unlearning from my actual midwifery training and so much more uh, teaching from the women that I had the privilege and honor to serve as midwife. And basically, I also, I don't know, maybe about how many years, 10 years into my midwifery practice, I started to learn about shamanism and was part of a group of people who were doing shamanic practices with a teacher, sweat lodges, vision quests, circle work, all that kind of thing, power animals, um, guides and teachers. And then that really became my spiritual practice because I didn't really have one before. Like I, I grew up in a family that for, for whom religion was not even part of the story. And so finding, finding the earth-based spirituality of shamanism was like such a um, blessing to me. It helped me make sense and, and helped me feel the connection that I was longing for without even realizing I was longing for it. And then I met my teacher, mentor, Janine Pavati Baker in 1990, I think. Yeah, 1990. And I went to a pre-conference workshop with her over in Texas in America. And her pre-conference workshop was called Shamanic Midwifery. And I was like, whoa, I need to be there. And basically what happened was my two loves, shamanism, shamanic practices, all of the stuff around that, and midwifery came together. And I became a shamanic midwife, actually, using shamanic practices in my practice as a midwife. And then as shamanism will do, because it's all about the interconnectedness of everything, I started to realize the interconnectedness of everything to do with birth. <laughs> and had my own babies and learned how birth is not a random event in someone's life. It's a, it's the unfolding of the next piece and the part of the story and, and all of that. And we'll get into that. But I also learned about the connection between all the other rites of passage and especially our relationship with our body through our menstrual cycle, which is connected to our rite of passage into womanhood, which is menarche. So putting all of this together really helped me realize that what I was actually doing was fulfilling the role of midwife in its original meaning, which is from womb to tomb. So, and everything in between, obviously. So in learning about all of this, putting it all together and realizing that preparation for birth needs to happen way before conception or even preconception. It needs to happen at Menarche or, and earlier, obviously, but one rite of passage leads to the, the next. So I saw as a midwife that women were turning up to birth with entrenched behavioral characteristics, attitudes, beliefs, fears that were a long time in the making and a long time from a long time ago. So I realized that we need to be welcoming our daughters into womanhood at Menarche in an empowering way so they can show up to childbirth empowered, not doubting their bodies as menstrual shame would have us do. So, you know, putting it all together. And then I'd started doing workshops on 
the menstrual cycle and preparation for birth. And then I founded the School of Shamanic Midwifery. And then I was told I had to change the name um, five <laughs> years in by the government or else all the, you know, threats of fines. And so now we have the School of Shamanic Womancraft, which is actually has actually opened the school up to many more women because they there was this kind of, oh, I have to be a midwife to do it. But now it's womancraft and womancraft as well as shamanic midwifery are Janine's terms. So my teacher, Janine Pavati-Baker, she died in 2005 and I made a deathbed promise to her that I would continue her work. And so that's what the School of Shamanic Womancraft is all about. And the the newest part of my deathbed promise being fulfilled is the uh, certification process I'm going through right now of certifying the first ever certified shamanic womancraft practitioners, which is a uh, training available to graduates of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. And so I feel like establishing the modality of shamanic womancraft is like the fulfillment of my deathbed promise to Janine. And so I feel really, well, grateful to have had the opportunity, supported opportunity to do this and to grow the School of Shamanic Womancraft, who is like you know, nearly 15, you know, like, do you remember what you were like when you were 15? That's how old old the School of Shamanic Womancraft is. And so in between all of that, I've been writing books, making e-courses and traveling around doing workshops and stuff. So basically I'm on a mission. I have a mission. I'm on a mission. And my mission is to do all I can to help heal the wounded feminine and the wounded masculine of our patriarchal culture. And in summary, what I would have that be, how I would say that is my mission is to wake up the witches. (laughs) I love it so much. And having, (laughs) you know, moved through and done the four seasons journey with the shamanic womancraft school and the whole process, it's such an honor to be with you and learn with you and learn from you and alongside you and to serve alongside you. It's an honor to have you here. So thank you. Everyone's probably got like already blown away and we're only a few minutes in. We're like, who's this woman? And busy one. (laughs) Yeah. If you thought (laughs) moving through menopause was about slowing down and putting your feet up and just reading books by the beach all the time. That's not what Jane is doing. And it's really inspiring. I I really am inspired because it just goes to show that there's so many evolutions of what you can offer the world. And that I, not that I think I've said this to you, but I think you live this so incredibly, but don't let age be your cage, Mm. you know, because there's so much that you can still offer and serve the world. And I love my partner just said to me yesterday, like Michael Caine's only just retired from acting and he's in his nineties. And I was Ooh. like, really? Like there's so much. And anyway, there's lots of opportunity. And I love that you're still serving the world in this really abundant way. Because mm. for me, I know I looked for a role model that was doing what I wanted to do that was ahead of me in where I was, knowing that I'd already done this for 10 plus years. And it was really hard to find. And then I found you and then COVID hit and I had to be very patient. So I learned <laughs> patience. <laughs> and then finally, I got to be a part of one of your last Four Seasons journeys that you were guiding on. And it was really beautiful. So thank you for being here for this pregnancy series. And this is why mm. for everybody listening, they're getting a really great insight. It's like, oh, so I can see why Gemma invited Jane to talk about the shamanic way of pregnancy and mm. entering this beautiful transition of birth and the birth portal. Because you mentioned earlier about preparation for birth. It begins well before you even consider having a child. It can begin well before you meet the person in a heterosexual relationship you might like to have a child with. Mm. And I think that the world that we the very unconscious world that we live in Mm. doesn't really clue into that. And for me, a big part of pregnancy and transition is the shamanic journey. And it's being with the consistent ebbs and flows and changes of the mind, the heart, the soul, the spirit. And so what does shamanic pregnancy actually look like to you? Mm. And if someone was listening to this being like, oh my God, I've like, I've already had two kids and I've got no idea what you guys are talking about Mm. is what is shamanic pregnancy and how can one 
delve into the realm of awakening their shamanic journey to pregnancy and then the birth altar? Mm. Well, I think first we need to define what shamanic means. So shamanic is the adjective of the noun shamanism, which is actually what was the starting point for all the cultures on the planet. And basically it to, you know, it's a complex worldview and what to do about it, but it's also not that complex because it's about actually the thing really that's missing in our modern world. And that's the benefit of it is, is that shamanism and shamanic actually mean the interconnectedness of everything and therefore the access to it. So in terms of what a shamanic pregnancy might be, I think that really the way to describe it is to say that if you approach pregnancy with a shamanic perspective, then what you can do is prepare for what is coming. So what that would look like is what are the things that are connected in your life that will be part of your conception, pregnancy, birth, and mothering experience. And we've kind of already talked a little bit about that, but basically it's everything that's happened before. So, (laughs) you know, it's birth is not a random event or a random experience that's about luck or, you know, how much you've paid or whatever, you know, like birth. And here is why the shamanic perspective is so helpful birth how we how we conceive gestate birth and mother our children is like the an expression of the culmination of our life thus far it's like a readout of our mindset our beliefs attitudes and fears because that's what creates our experience of life right you know we've all heard about whatever kind of glasses you wear is what you see you know that classic thing as soon as you become pregnant everybody you see is pregnant as soon as <laughs> Soon as you be go, as soon as you buy a Volkswagen, that's all you see. Volkswagens. So, silly aside, but point being that what you look for is what you see. So, looking for the interconnectedness of all of the things that are going to, or already are, or already did play out in your experiences around your fertility, because it includes menstrual cycle as well, and actually menopause at the other end. So looking at the things that are interconnected to our experience around birthing is to be prepared. And so what things we'd want to look at would be to take a deeper look at the interconnectedness of everything, especially our red thread, which is our female generational trauma and strengths trauma and strengths that we've inherited without even knowing or realizing it or wanting it. Mm-hmm. So we all we all inherit whatever the story is from our mother line. Things get passed down from mother to daughter to daughter to daughter to daughter, like, you know, forever. And so this is part of who we are. It's like our red thread or our mother line is like the ecosystem that we're born into. And then, so all those stories impact us and we play out the next version of it, usually unconsciously. And then, so if the finding out about the stories from our red thread are really important because it's in our rites of passage, so menarche, birth, menopause, that the red thread stuff plays out big time because that's the times when we transform and become the next version of ourselves impacted by everything else. I just want to say before I forget, which is a postmenopausal thing, <laughs> that the red thread is the ecosystem we're born into. So the womb we grow in, our mother's womb is the garden in that ecosystem. So I'll get to her in a minute, but she's part of your red thread, right? So the womb we grow in, the garden we grow in, is full of the stories of all the other things that garden has done. So our own birth, And so the baby you're preparing for will be growing or will have grown in a garden that has had all of whatever the experiences it's already had, whether that's losses, abortions, traumatic births, and then all the memories sexually that the mother has had from all her life, which could include all kinds of 
abuse, etc. So the garden, the womb we grow in is impacted by our actual mother's experience, which mm. she also inherited from her mother and mother and mother and mother. So part of looking at shamanically preparing for birth is to look at our red thread and do the healing. So what that is not as hard as it thinks, nor as sad, sorry, that's not as hard or as impossible as it sounds, because all we actually have to do is deal with whatever is arising in our life right now, because it'll be connected to that and other things. So red thread healing, looking at the female generational trauma you've inherited is an essential shamanic way of preparing for birth, as is your own birth. Now, you don't give birth necessarily how you were born, but sometimes that happens. But what actually happens with our birth imprint is that it's a pattern that gets set up when we're born and plays out for us all the time. So it's a pattern to come to know so you can recognize it and then work with it so you don't get worked by it. Mm, and that's like going to be that. different for everybody. Yeah. And then our childhood trauma. Now, everybody goes through something or has the lack of something or something happens to somebody who really affects you as a child. And we need to develop coping mechanisms for those things. Now, this can range from you know, accidents and illnesses to abuse to neglect or something happening to a sibling or a parent that really affects us. So we want to look at our childhood trauma to figure out what coping mechanisms we came up with because they create our default behavior. Now, our default behavior is called default because we default to it when our childhood trauma is reactivated or else if we're under extreme stress. Now, we want to know that because wound up and woven into our childhood trauma are all sorts of things, including and especially our relationship with authority. Now, that is a really good thing to come to understand what your relationship with is, with, is with authority, especially if you're going to have a birth in a hospital or a birth center. But, you know, even planning a home birth or a free birth, you still need to entertain the possibility of needing to access emergency care because who knows, right? You know, you can prepare for whatever you want to prepare for, but you're going to have the birth you need to have to teach you what you need to learn about yourself to take you to the next place on your journey in life. So regardless of where you're having your baby, I think it's a good idea to think, and it's not because it's not to think it because it's going to make it happen or whatever. It's to be prepared, you know, to think about the decisions you might have to make if you end up in a hospital situation before you get there is the smartest thing you can do because then you're not going to be able to be coerced or making decisions under stress, you know. So our childhood trauma will reveal to us our default behaviours, which are really important to understand because once we start doing those, then we realise, oh, my childhood trauma has been reactivated. Oh, how old do I feel right now? Oh, four. Okay. Well, when you're feeling four years old, you need to be treated like a four-year-old. So we need to learn how to soothe our wounded inner ch child as well as preparation mm. for all of this, a, a, you know, shamanic stuff. So shamanic meaning interconnectedness. And the shamanic realms give us access to different times in our lives to change things and be with things and heal things. I mean, we can't change history, but we can change our perspective and our reaction or response to it. So this is all part of the shamanic work, as well as looking at our rites of passage so far, because what we can do from that is see what the setup is for the next one, because one rite of passage leads to the next and creates a trajectory that we're on. Because when we come to a rite of passage, we come to a fork in the road and one way is the usual way the same old, same old way, the way it always happens to me or in my family. And that's so often the wounded way, but we don't even realize it. And the other fork is the healed way. But to even know there's a healed way, you have to realize you're on the wounded way. And then you need to do the inner work that bridges the two, that sets you off in the healed direction and possibly changes the trajectory that you're on and therefore the setup for the next one. But it doesn't mean everything goes your way and you have everything happen how you want, it means you're being conscious with the decisions that you're making rather than mm. unconscious decisions, which is what leads to the same old, same old. And the other really important thing is to figure out 
reflect on the stories in your own family, you know, the people that you know, because that'll give you some clues for how you've been enculturated or what you've been led to believe happens at birth, you know, like so in our family, everybody, blah, 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 blah. Grandma spits them out or we all struggle or, you know, like whatever that story is, you want to know. And it doesn't mean that it's your destiny. It just means that that's part of your mindset that you need to deal with ahead of time rather than in the moment, you know. And the other thing that shamanism or the shamanic approach offers us is to visit the shamanic realms to find our guides and allies and our our, our power animal, our animal ally. And you can even do that for the baby, which is a very cool thing too. So there's lots of ways to prepare for birth beyond going to a uh, positions and breathing technique class, although I think that's really helpful and useful and um, a wonderful thing to do with your partner so that they have some clues really for how to be with it. So if your partner's a man, like you just have to be really, really aware that he's going to have no idea, no idea what the experience is like. And this is not a judgment or any kind of put down. It's the reality. So, so it's um, a good thing for them to learn through going to one of those classes with other partners to just get into the groove of what's going to be required of them but I also think it's really important to just check with your partner that they want to come yes I there's so much in this Jane oh my god (laughs) everyone's probably still having their minds completely blown I just want to make a a comment on the last thing you mentioned about um because we've hired a home birth midwife and I think it was after our in between our second and our third antenatal meeting together at home (laughs) Brenton my partner goes to me so do I get a midwife for me? And I was like, babe, the midwife is for you. <laughs> I was like, I like, I think I know what my body needs to do. My body knows what it needs to do. I was like, you can't do anything for me. Like all you can do is as my best friend's partner calls it is the man needs to be the mountain, mm. you know, solid and grounded. And I was like, but if you're flipping out, like the midwife needs to help you be grounded because mm. I'm not there to do that for you when I'm trying to be grounded myself. I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish you had have been taught at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and your cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over thousands of women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. Use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off at wellsome.com forward slash shop. I love what you mentioned about it's like the mindset of being the first in your lineage to do it a different way. Mm. And this is a big shift. Like I'm very aware that in my lineage, I'm the first to do it a little bit different. Oh, you know, birthing at home, we haven't seen a doctor and it's very different. So people around you, they're like, it's, changing their perception and what is safe and what is unsafe and how guided are you by your, I call it like the setting of your sail. Like how set mm. is your sail by the blowing of other people's wind, mm. like, the blow, like the wind of, you know, fear or the wind of confusion or, but how set is your sail? And I think it's an interesting lesson because I'm, I'm sure we're at a, re- well, I know we're at a really big shift of time. I'm sure you can see this too. There's a massive increase of people who are reconnecting with their cycles in a way that once was never experienced in the last 20, 30 years, 50 years. And because of that, they're seen as different or exodized from their community or their family because they're doing it a different way. And that can be conflicting when they're trusting their own body and their own guides, mm. but then everyone else has got their own, like the external people have their own needs. So for anyone who's listening to this and they're 
in a similar situation to me and they're the first in their lineage that wants to do it the healed way or they feel called to do it the healed way, whether that's the first birth or the second or the third or the fourth, because you can you don't have to do it all the same way. It can You can learn from your lessons previously. What would you say to these people who are, are breaking the thread and creating an, a healed lineage? Mm. I would say congratulations and good <laughs> on you. And we know that in with regard to red thread healing, due to an indigenous concept of time, which is called circular time, the idea that everything's actually happening at once, mm. which is a bit of a leap for our linear way of thinking. But the way that we're, what that says to us about our red thread healing is that all it takes in the line, which is from now to the future, and including the past, all it takes to heal that line on whatever issue you're taking on, and we're talking about birth now, all it takes is one woman in the line to do her inner work to change the pattern. Mm. And then that clearly affects everybody that comes after you because you'll be a different person saying different things and, you know, giving off the energy of different things or perspectives and ways, and it heals back down the line. And there's plenty of stories from women of when they've done their inner work that then all of a sudden something shifts with their mum and they haven't even talked about it with her, the con- the, the um, issue that they've resolved or worked out or whatever for themselves, but something shifts with their mum. So it's it's really... It's you're doing it anyway. Mm. When you do your inner work, you're doing red thread healing anyway. So you can't not do it if you're bringing consciousness to it, because that would be the thing that was different to what was happening before. So I would say congratulations and good on you. And that really what this is about is, is knowing myself. We've been led to believe that we just need to think whatever we've been told. And we do that dutifully, and that's what the school system has us become. Not all, but you know what I mean. And so to actually make a choice to figure out why you do and think and feel what you do think and feel the way you do it is actually life-changing and healing in so many ways. So it's it's just really an important thing to do and, and, and it's, it's, it's missing out if you don't. Mm. So what I would say to those of you who've had babies already and you're having another one or you've had all your babies and you're looking back and thinking, holy fuck, what did I do? What happened? I was this, that or the other. The gold is still there. You know, we can learn from our previous rites of passage because that's what they're about. They teach us. We ch- we change, we transform into the next version of ourselves. And even if you've had a traumatic experience at birth or anything, there's always gold, you know, like, and I know that's like, yeah, sure. But, you know, like there's a wonderful saying from Joseph Campbell, who is an anthropologist and a, and a study, a, a student of mythology. And he says, and this is like looking at the stories of everybody for, from forever ago, gold is found in the darkest places. And another of his sayings, where you stumble, there your treasure lay. You know, so even in the trauma, there's gifts. And I'm sorry if somebody's hearing that and going, yeah, fuck off, that's not true, mine was terrible, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but there will be. There will be strengths that have been awakened in us through trauma that are gifts. So do the work and, you know, sometimes women think, oh, I can't do that during pregnancy because it's going to hurt the baby because I'm going to be feeling this, that or the other. Well, the problem is you're already feeling that, being that. So doing the inner work during your pregnancy is going to be, you know, showing your baby what it takes to heal and forge your own healed path forward. Very powerful work too. 
And I love that you said they're already feeling it. And most likely even before conception, Mm. they've been feeling it, you know, if Mm. the soul's been hanging around for a little while. And Mm. I think, yeah, that's And the garden. Yeah. We'll be holding it. And I think this is a great segue into if people are on a preconception journey, and of course they can go do some amazing work like the Four Seasons journey, <laughs> like the Scalisha Money Woman Craft Offer. But if people are on this preconception journey, I'm a really big um, advocate for embracing the menstrual cycle, connecting with your bleed, using blood rites, using the different phases of your cycle to deepen into the shamanic, shamanic way of being a menstruator. How can people who are on a preconception journey, whether that is in their second or third conception or whether this is potentially their first conception, what are some simple ways you would recommend that they could connect with this shamanic way of healing and I guess reconnecting a different healed way of their Mm. lineage? Mm. Well, I would suggest all the things I've already said, but let's say that in an easier way. Figure out what the story of your biography is, Mm. you know, like do a primary school assignment of write your biography and also the story of the families you've come from that have influenced you because birth, as I already mentioned, is not a random experience. It's the culmination of your life thus far. So the clearer you can get about your biography, you can see what the setup is for the next thing. And like I said, with the rites of passage. So figure out, learn about, your red thread, you know, because there's the thing that we were all in our grandmother's womb. So just to say this piece to everybody in case they don't know it, but I'm so impressed so many women, people, everybody knows this now because we've all been talking about it long enough, that when a mother is pregnant with a daughter at 20 weeks gestation, so halfway through, all that baby girl's eggs form. Now, yes, it's not a mature egg, it's the immature follicle, but, you know, it, it is the origin of us. So I just say all that because, you know, there's always somebody who says, oh, but it's not a mature egg. It's, but it's the, as my teacher Janine Pavadi would say, the prima materia. So it's the beginning of us. So the fact that our baby girl's eggs form halfway through the pregnancy of her means that everybody was in their grandmother's womb as this pre-egg and experienced the second half of the pregnancy our grandmother had of our mother and the birth. And then we were in our grand we were in our mother's body from the halfway through the pregnancy, all the way up to when we were the egg that ripened, ovulated, and was conceived. Then we grow in her garden, her womb, and then we leave her body. So we have experienced our mother's life and everything to do with it up until when we leave her body. So find out what the story of your conception was. And the key pieces, the key words there are, were you planned and were you wanted? And Mm. anything other than that has a complexity to it. Not a bad thing, a complexity. Conception, pregnancy. What was the story of your mother's pregnancy of you? Because that will be impacting you for the rest of your life. This is the whole birth imprint thing, the conception, the pregnancy, the birth, and the newborn period, so the postnatal period. So you want to know the whole story of that because that was you as a sprout. And we know that whatever affects the seed and the sprout will determine what it turns into and how and why. So that's a really key part of your biography. Then think about your childhood trauma. And if you think nothing happened to you, then think about what didn't happen to you that needed, that should have happened or whatever. And then our menarche and our menstrual cycle work and and, and any previous pregnancy. So so preconception journey would be to figure out who you are and what you've experienced so you can see what the setup is for the next one. And then either go with that because it's great or it shows you the work you need to do to change the trajectory from the continued wounded way. Mm. So all of that. And I would say beyond that or as well as that, relax (laughs) and call the baby to you. You know, like you said, soul baby, like 
Usually when we want to get pregnant, there's someone saying, I'm ready, come on, or whatever, however one hears that. So Janine called that your soul baby. And she was always recommending that you start the conversation whenever you start the conversation. So preconception could be a time. And that could be, you know, like, what do I need to do to prepare for you? Or whatever. So how you do that can be like actually with a shamanic journey. And that would include a drum and a trance state and into the shamanic realms. And I've actually got all these journeys on Spotify and Apple Music and I think maybe something timer. What's it called? Insight timer. timer. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this journey's on all of them, but there's a drum journey into your womb to meet your baby. So you could do that whether you were pregnant or not, and you could be calling your soul baby if you weren't pregnant, if you were preconception. So that's a lovely thing. And also... You know, do all the things you know you want to do to prepare yourself physically and also trust the process. You know, like I would hazard a guess that most of the babies on the planet had no preconception journey. Their mothers just became pregnant again or whatever. So trust the process. Like your body works, the process works, and if you haven't done some big preconception preparation it probably will be okay like all the others but if you've got the opportunity to dedicate some energy and time and focus to preparing preconceptionally then these are all the things to do so the thing also is to trust your body like our bodies work but where they work best when we are well and healthy and feeding ourselves the right things. Mm. But the main message I would say is trust the process. Mm. It's And there's so much in that, the, the multiple layers of trust mm. and where there's hindrance in trust. Thank you for sharing. I think it's a great reminder for everyone that, you know, we live in a world that's all about planning. Yeah, preparation and planning. But sometimes things aren't prepared and they aren't planned for. But still pregnancy is a great time of preparation. Mm. And I love that you mentioned that whether you've done it or not, there's like, there's still beautiful work that you can do to create a transition of your own lineage to connect with yourself, like discover your biology, like you mentioned, and there's no correct place to start. It's Mm. just when you feel that the time arises for you, Mm. would you agree? Yeah. When you know, you'll do it. When you know, you know. Yeah. It's like when you see it, you can't unsee it. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I just want to mention what you mentioned about with the eggs and the whole maturing of the eggs and the eggs are in, inside you. So, you know, being over half halfway pregnant now, if I was pregnant with a girl, you know, I'd have all the eggs for my grandchildren inside me, yada, yada. I also love how people can conflict that with, oh, but they're not mature eggs, but there are follicles and those follicles become the corpus luteum, which then becomes the, you know, that births the placenta. And so regardless, there is so much life in that. It's like a double Mm. life force together. Mm. And I just wanted to highlight that, that that the body is just, excuse my language, Jane, but it's just so fucking magical that it has all of this, you know. Mm. Oh, Miracle. It is. It really is. Yeah. Great tips. Thank you for sharing all of those. I'd love to touch on how to prepare for an orgasmic birth mm-hmm. and is this even possible and how do we prepare for that? Mm. I think we live in a world today statistically where women are birthing much later in life and we could say later in our fertility or fertile years, like myself birthing at 37, but there's no right or wrong to this in, in the starting or the, like the, like whatever time frame is the right time frame for you, it will arise. However, I feel that with more experience of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> being in my later thirties now, I really can fully feel the orgasmic nature of what birth could be. Mm-hmm. Whereas if this was me at 22, I might not have tapped into that back at my Mm. 22s. Now, for people who are 22 today, you know, we have so much more out there, right? So there's so much more information. So maybe that's possible for 22-year-olds now. Mm. But for those who are currently pregnant or even preparing for a pregnancy in the future and they wish to have a birth that they don't, they haven't yet known as possible, how could one prepare for an orgasmic birth? Mm. Well, firstly, I think I need to say that 
orgasmic birth is a term that's often used to describe a state that women can get into when they're having a baby, when they're birthing, that may or may not include an orgasm. Mm. You know, so an orgasmic birth actually can be what women use to describe a birthing experience where they feel this incredible, like, release and also, like, a highness, like, from the endorphins, the endorph- our endorphins that we make, our endogenous endorphins, we make endorphins in response to pain in childbirth, can make you feel very high. And some women, you know, end up being like laughing and crying and, you know, in this exalted state that is sometimes then referred to as an orgasmic birth, which they, and they didn't actually have a, Orgasm. orgasm yeah you know so so just to be clear that that's what a lot of people mean when they say orgasmic birth but in terms of an having an orgasm at birth is this possible totally there are plenty of women who have had orgasms when they've given birth and i love that part of my pregnancy workshop and you will have been there during some of these examples when toward the end of the day we're talking about pain and and i ask did anybody have has anybody had a painless birth and you know there's in a group of 20 there's usually four or five who put their hand up and then they share their stories and often there's an orgasm in amongst all of those amazing stories and often there's similar stories to what i just highlighted about the massive release and the feeling really high so if one woman can have an orgasm at birth, that means that's part of the blueprint, you know, it's mm. part of the biological potential. So how to actually prepare for that would be that, and remember there's no guarantees. You can prepare for this and end up having an emergency cesarean because the baby goes into distress, you know, like whatever, right? You'll have the birth that you need to have and it's a dance between the mothers, the mother and the baby. Right. But in terms of preparing for an orgasmic birth, there's things you need to actually prepare for. So what that would look like is that for you to think about what conditions would you require that would enable you to be so deeply in tune with your body and paying total attention for the arising of pleasure and then create those conditions for your birth. So obviously what that would kind of look like would be the same kind of thing it would look like if you were going to be having a romantic lovemaking session. So what that looks like in birth is an undisturbed birth. Mm. So what that means is actually fulfilling the requirements that a mammal needs to give birth normally, which is privacy, being unobserved, so not someone sitting there watching you, it to be dark or, you know, sometimes that's not possible if it's the middle of the day, but dark and quiet, nobody just arriving, so no visitors, no barging through any doors to for it to be warm and for the woman to feel protected, in other words, for her to feel safe. So, you know, it's like sex. If you don't feel safe, you're highly unlikely to be able to relax into a deep state where you're going to have anything like an orgasm. So Mm. same, same conditions. So there's that. So what that might look like is, and and just by the way, those conditions for a mammalian birth are required for everybody, not just those hoping for some exalted state with the birth because the birth is an exalted state you know it's just like how we're measuring the the intensity of that that you know if we if our mammalian birthing needs are met then birth unfolds in its least complicated normal way Mm. simple as that so in terms of preparing for an exalted state at birth then it's really up to where you're having the baby and who's going to be there as well as those conditions being fulfilled. So, 
you know, only invite people to your birth who you're happy to have an orgasm in front of and to poo in front of because otherwise you will be inhibited and, you know, you can't have an orgasm if you're feeling inhibited about having an orgasm, right? So, so that, like, so that's the environment you need to create. But the other thing is the, the, and, you know, who knows why women have orgasmic births, but there is a bit of an anatomical clue and that's the G spot. Now the G spot named after the doctor who discovered it, Dr. Graffenberg. We it's always a male doctor, that. isn't it? <laughs> there is. So the G spot is a, I'm not going to get all the words right, conglomeration of tissue that is similar to the clitoris and all our, and remember the clitoris is huge. It's not just that magic button at the top, but there's this other extra area called the G spot with a flag on it saying Dr. Graffenberg discovered this up inside your vagina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Up inside the vagina at around the pubic bone level towards the front. Now, apparently this particular piece of t erogenous tissue has no role in, in promoting conception which is what all our sexual organs are about, right? So it's got no role in that. It doesn't, it's not contactable by the penis necessarily. It's not part of, I mean, it might be part of people's lovemaking rituals, but it's not going to secure or enhance conception. But what it is, what it, where it's positioned is that in the so-called crowning process of birthing, where the baby's head or bum, depending on which part's coming first, the head or the bottom, in the in the um, crowning process, and this is more often for first babies than second babies because it happens faster after it's happened the first time, usually, not always. There's never an always with birth. But with the crowning, it's like the head's coming down or the bum's coming down, and say this is the vagina here and the head's coming or the bum, and it goes out and back in and out. So you be prepared for this, Gemma. It feels like you know, it's nearly there and then it goes back in. And go like this for, for a while. You know, not everybody, not all the time, but don't be disheartened if you push really hard and the baby's head comes and then it goes back in. This is actually where what's happening then is the perineum stretching, as is the vagina opening more. But what's actually happening is this G-spot is getting rubbed against on the top. So that would be the time, which can often be a really frustrating time for women. I'm pushing so hard, but it keeps going back in. Focus on the G-spot and see if you can feel or even send the vibe there to feel, you know. Mm. So that would be something to, to prepare. And also um, I think really important before you go anywhere near labour is to really figure out how you're going to manage the pain. Mm. Now, I think it's a really responsible thing for everybody preparing for birth for me to say is that for most women, birth is painful. So, you know, we, we talk about how to transcend the pain. We talk about how to work with the pain, but we don't want to bullshit to anybody, everybody and say birth doesn't hurt because most, for most women it does. So I would say preparation for all birth, especially this orgasmic birth is to figure out how you're going to deal with the pain before it starts, not like in a, oh, so there's so many ways to deal with the pain. And I would say to familiarize yourself with the gate theory of pain control, which is, you know, we, you could talk about that later, but basically bombard your brain with more messages other than just the pain of a contraction and also deal with your fears. So there's a thing called the fear pain cycle. So there's, you know, when you're frightened you tense up and then that hurt everything hurts more so figure out what you're going to do with the how you're going to be with the pain and what i would suggest is single pointed focus on the pain because that can catapult you into an altered state of consciousness single pointed focus and that would be great preparation for an orgasmic birth to singly pointed focus on your g spot during that crowning process mm. and to deal with your fears but the other thing that I want to say about orgasmic birth is there is another kind of exalted state at birth that we can reach 
which is possibly easier than having an actual orgasm. And that state is called ecstatic birth. And ecstatic birth doesn't mean like ecstasy that you're happy and high. Ecstatic means altered state of consciousness. And so that's like what I just said before. Pain can take you if you focus singly pointedly on it and then things happen in your brain. And with the endorphins, it can take you to an altered state of consciousness, where it can sometimes mean that you have no pain. And that is that is what that that is what undisturbed birth could be the res, could result in ecstatic. And they could have an orgasm as well. So much possibility. And there's a few things that I know that you say a lot, especially in the pregnancy workshops and in all the work that I've done with you anyway, is that you want to be like the cat birthing in the cupboard in the darkest corner of the house Mm. for the conditions of the birth. And then the other one is that the energy it takes to have an orgasm is the energy it takes to birth the baby out. Whatever it takes Mm. to get the baby in is what it takes to get the baby out. And I love that. And that's something I've really had to like, communicate with Brenton on to educate. And I think that, you know, it's hard to give the example, like one, I've never lived the birth experience yet, but it's hard to give the example to a man so that he can prepare. But I think that if he can help cultivate in a heterosexual relationship, the comfortability of you, and you can practice that through your sexual connection, that that is what you want to bring into the birth space. And who would, like you said, who would you want around you whilst Mm. you're doing that? Totally. What environment would you want? And I think that's a really great visual because a lot of people are very visual about it. And a lot of the, (laughs) I know you know this, but a lot of the trauma around birth is stuff that we've learned in marketing and media and the and movies. Mm. And so it's all visual. Like we see the the film. And so we want to replace that with a new visual. And I think the visuals of those two things that you love to share are really great visuals. Mm. Mm. Just add about the orgasm because- Orgasm is a way to practice birth mm. because the key pe- the key part to that is the the letting go, the focus and the letting go required surrender. The focus and the surrender required to have an orgasm is the same focus and surrender that will help have a baby. Mm. The same level of surrender. So you know, like when you're having an orgasm, like you know, not everyone's the same, etc. But if you if you're you know you're on that pathway of arousal and you can see oh it's going to happen coming there and then you start thinking about the shopping or someone starts talking to you or interrupts you it's not going to happen right so that's that's the conditions to create Mm -hmm. recreate for birth as you're saying and also like I think the good thing is that it helps partners that you're sexual with to understand the state to help you get into and there's another uh, clue and Janine said this you labor as you live mm, that's a beautiful one yeah so there will be no no surprises to you well maybe surprises to you but not the people who know you really well you're just doing what you always do or whatever and yep. then what gets the baby in there gets the baby out that's an Ina May Gaskin quote so she's the one who suggests that partners can be intimate in labor to increase the oxytocin, which will increase the contractions and and bring the birth on. And that can be like, you know, not necessarily something you have to do because you may not want to do that, but if there's a kind of a, a stuckness or the oxytocin feels, if, if the labor slows down, a way to generate oxytocin is through physical touch and intimacy and also like it's the bonding hormone you know you, you make it when you sing or when 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 you're touched when you you know all those sorts of things so so labor how you live is i think actually a really good clue for preparation mm, and so, she, yeah ina may talks a lot about that in her book spiritual midwifery about mm the connection and I know like the jaw relationship with the pelvis and like having really deep passion, passionate kissing and like all of that can open if you're willing to be in an environment that you can control with intimacy. And so I think that comes back to the preparing for birth based on the conditions that you're going to be birthing Mm, in. 
totally. And how the conditions play out in how you respond to the conditions, which I think is really, really wise. We could just keep talking forever <laughs> about this topic. But one thing I, I want to bring up about pain is I want to talk about menstruation. And something that I'm a really big believer on and that I encourage a lot of my clients and my community with is that when we experience menstrual pain, and I know you talk about this too, is that most people just avoid it. They slap their Band-Aid on, they take a painkiller, they just, you know, do whatever needs to be done, even if that means take hormonal birth control so they have a painless menstruation. But there's a lot of great wisdom I feel in feeling into the pain. And that's, yes, energetically, emotionally, and, you know, mentally and spiritually, but also physically being with the pain as opposed to avoiding the pain. And menstruation I see is a great preparation for birth when we can connect with the menstruation. So is there any wisdom that you want to share in on that topic? Because I know you believe and feel the same Mm. too. Well, just to say, I agree with you. And that if, if a woman arrives at birth and she understands the language of her womb, you know, uh, womb speak literate (laughs) that she would have learned and gained through conscious menstruation, then it's like obviously the preparation for birth because it happens before, right? So, duh, maybe there's a point. And how I love to see is really just saying what you said or again, that if we can understand what our womb is saying to us and it doesn't have to be just your womb, it's your whole body because, you know, it's all, everything's a hologram. But if our, if you can hear what your womb, your beingness, your body is telling you to do when you are experiencing any when you're experiencing bleeding, like even without pain, right? So pain is means something's happening, right? But even without pain, to be able to understand what your body and your womb are trying to tell you to do when you're bleeding will have you tune to that frequency so that when you go into labor, you will know, aha, okay, oh, my body's telling me to do this. Oh, my womb's telling me, you know, like, so for women who arrive into labor without this learned intuitive response to whatever their womb tells them on whatever level, they're much more able to move, react and respond to whatever arises in their their labor physically than somebody who's meeting all of that for the first time. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful add-on. Thank you. And it's one thing I focus on because I'm at that stage where I can feel my abdominals stretching, you know, and separating and that I'm not used to getting up and having to only use my hands and because I've always been able to use my abs and feeling the sharp pain that stabs through you like a knife is that instead of avoiding that, I'm actually folk, like using the practice of focusing in on that to give attention to that point. And I think there's so many opportunities for us to practice that in our life because there's always pain pressure points, whether that's physical or mental or emotional. And there's lots of opportunity for people to explore that. Jane, thank you. This has been so beautiful. We could just literally, you, I could talk to you forever, as you already know. <laughs> and you've got an amazing, you've got lots of amazing books. I think a really fantastic book that people who are listening to this episode would really enjoy is 10 Moons, particularly for this journey. But how can people find you and connect with the resources that you have around this topic for them to dive and open up it's like aladdin and the and the the magic carpet it's a whole new world for a lot of people (laughs) listening to this for the first time so how can they open up that world for themselves with you okay well i have a website janehardwickcollings.com and my and a shop on there with my books and 10 moons the inner journey of pregnancy preparation for natural birth is that is there and there's an ebook of that as well and then just pregnancy and birth related, I've also made some online courses, Pregnancy, the Inner Journey. And then there's also one called Healing After Traumatic, Previous Traumatic Birth. So these are e-courses you can get from my website. And I'm 
offering my workshops, the, so pregnancy-related, the shamanic dimensions of pregnancy. Next time that happens in Sydney is in February next year. And then I'm going over to Europe and, and England in 2024 to bring my workshops there. And the School of Shamanic Womancraft, with all the programs, has her own website, schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com. And I, I'm very vocal, I suppose that's a way to say it, on social media. So I'm often sharing things on social media about all of this stuff, and particularly recently about birth trauma. So if you want to just dredge through my Instagram or Facebook page, you'll find lots and lots and lots of information. It's a good rabbit hole to find yourself in. (laughs) But Jane, thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for being a beautiful guest teacher in the two courses we teach over at Cyclical School and for all of your work and passing on Janine's work Mm. through, you know, the beautiful wish and that you shared with her. It means the world to me. And I know that without people like you, this work wouldn't continue. So thank you so much for being Mm. here and sharing with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.